Welcome to Render Time. I'm Richard Lutz, and this is episode number one with Joey Clift. Joey is a comedy writer living in Los Angeles, California. In this episode, we discuss what led Joey to comedy writing and what advice he has for those who are moving or who have recently moved to Los Angeles. Let's get into it. What's up, guys? This is Richard with the inaugural soft launch episode of Render Time. I'm with my good buddy, Joey Clift, another coog down here in Los Angeles, California. Joey. Hey. Dude. Hey, everybody. So, dude, uh, we've been friends quite a long time now. I mean, once, um, I know... Yeah, at this point, to... like, probably like 10 years. Has it been that? Oh, fuck. Yeah, because yeah. we both started WSU in like 06. It's 2016. So, like, ah, oh, that's so long. Do you feel old now? Yeah, you're listening to us age on this podcast. Anyways, um, why don't you tell our listeners, I mean, this is going to be more gun towards post-production. However, I'm always interested in talking with people who have made the leap to Los Angeles and risked it all in some terms of how to try and make this career thing happen. So why don't you just give us your general background? Who are you? Why are you here in Los Angeles? And why are you chasing after, in your case, comedy writing? Okay, uh, yeah, let's see. My name is Joey Clift. I'm a comedy writer. I moved to Los Angeles in 2010. Um, let's see. Uh, I, I've written for shows on uh, Cartoon Network, uh, for DreamWorks TV, for like sci-fi, a bunch of other places. Um, I'm primarily a like sketch comedy writer, producer kind of guy, um, mainly doing stuff kind of in the local Los Angeles comedy community at like the Upright Assistance Brigade Theater, the PAC Theater, IO West, and uh, various other acronyms that maybe mean something to you. I don't know. I mean, he also wants to work for NASA. Let's just put that out into the universe. NASA, if you're listening. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, Richard Lutz calling out of Facebook. Like, that's just what my career is on Facebook. Because it's like uh, something that um, if you're working in the industry, you'll know is like you sort of go from job to job. So, like, it's very um it's like you're not gonna like have like employer bank of america for five years you're gonna work at like one place for two or three months another place for six months another place for however many months so i just thought it'd be funny to like say that my employer is nasa but it's like you'd be surprised how many people like think i actually work at nasa like, there have been people that I've known for, like, more, like, longer than you'd think, like, a year or two that, like, will Facebook me and ask what I do at NASA. Wait, that's actually happened? That's happened to me multiple times. I'm glad I was the seed of this inspiration in some way, shape, or form. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's always that thing of, like, I mean, at no point do I talk about NASA on Facebook. Like, like if I work at NASA, I never talk about my job. Maybe you work for... Or, or something in the CIA, NSA. Let's not go there. They're probably listening to this now. But that would also be... I mean, like, I have friends that... We're going there. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, we're going <laughs> like, I, like, I have friends that, like, work for uh, the, the federal government. And, like, like uh, a guy that I know down here, I don't want to name names or anything, but uh, his job is he does background checks for people who are applying for high-level CIA jobs. And, like, he talks about his job. And, like, actually, yeah, maybe I shouldn't say this. <laughs> Uh, you can probably easily track that. I mean, it's like we're you're you're. He doesn't go into immense detail, but it's like, you know, if you talk to him, he'll like say that's what he does. 
And it would be really weird if I worked at NASA in the six years that I've lived here, I've never brought it up to anybody. So yeah, sure, why not? I work at NASA. This is officially coming out. I work at NASA. Well, this is uh, news to the intertubes. Yeah, yeah. Um, something that I've noticed about you and what you've been trying to do with uh, comedy is uh, even when you were at WSU, I mean, we met through Cable 8. Much respect to Cable 8. They both kind of gave us a start as a means to chase down something. I think you were a little bit more... Uh, bullish on Cable 8 and the opportunities that it pres... Yeah, sorry, I thought I heard a plane coming by. Anyways... No, just a motorcycle. No, just a we're, motorcycle. It's, we're, it's... we're recording this podcast on a motorcycle racetrack. Yes. <laughs> Everybody duck. Ah. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I think you were a little bit more bullish on uh, Cable 8, um, but let's go back even further. How did you discover comedy and comedy writing i mean you discovered it like what junior high doing stuff for a tv production class um okay so uh how i discovered comedy would probably just be um let's see uh how to get into this i um i was just kind of that kid that would always kind of make wisecracks in class when i was uh when i was growing up and um I remember, like, I was the type of person that, like, I, like, I would skip school a lot, and I would use that time, like, basically when I'd be home doing nothing, or even, like, on weekends, I was sort of, like, an awkward kid that, like, didn't have, like, a whole lot of friends, so I would record Family Guy and The Simpsons and just watch them over and over and over again when I was home, so, like, it would literally just be, like, the new Simpsons episode, watch it on Sunday probably watch it five times a day for the next week and i think that through that um and then just seeing people like conan o'brien uh late night show i really um i guess that like i grew to really appreciate um i guess like all or kind of outsider comedy comedy where it's like uh it's very clear that it's coming from an underdog like conan o'brien's whole thing was like this show could get canceled at any minute I'm pretty sure nobody's listening to this show. Just sort of that, if that makes sense. Just like comedy from like the guy who's punching from underneath. And um, when I was in high school, I uh, originally wanted to be like a video game programmer because I was a really big gamer growing up. And um, like I took one programming class and realized that I was not good at it. So I immediately quit. (laughs) And... um, then I uh, I sort of uh, you know kind of dicked around a little bit. Can we, can we swear on this? I don't give a shit. Oh, okay, great. So yeah, I dicked around <laughs> a little bit. Uh, so I dicked around a little bit. Like take, I was like, oh okay, like I guess making people laugh is fun. So maybe being an actor is the thing to do. So I took you know the pinnacle of acting, which was a high school drama class, and I was also like, yeah, this is also hard. I don't want to do this. And then while I was doing that, um, my my high school had. Uh, a thing called TV3, which was um, sort of a, its own kind of public access TV station, and um, similar to Cable 8, but like kind of a smaller scale and uh, less watched by people. But um, something that they did have is a, a morning announcements that uh, basically like most of the classes on the campus in the junior high and in the high school um, at the end of second period would turn on the TV and like everybody in the school would watch it. 
And it was just like, you know, five minute news program, a kid doing the weather, a kid doing like sports, like, you know, where, where the high school team and the junior high team is going to play. Um, like, you know, like lunch specials, sort of like everything that you could picture being a stereotypical morning announcements. And I remember, um, watching that when I was a sophomore and, um, like, you know, as kind of pessimistic high school kids do, everybody kind of noted about how it wasn't very good. And I, and that's just, you know, like, uh, say what you will about the actual quality of it. Just high schoolers kind of hate everything. So it was sort of one of those. And I remember while I was complaining to some, or while somebody was complaining to me about that, I was thinking like, oh, I could probably do better than that. So I signed up for the class and then, um, you know, uh, just like really, I would do like bits on air that the teacher would really hate and, but like the students would really love. So like, uh, I think it was to the, much, to much of the chagrin of the teacher, uh, like TV three had its own page in the yearbook and I kind of, I got really popular doing the weather report because I would do it really high energy and kind of come up with catchphrases and throw in jokes, referencing teachers' names and stuff that like that page of the yearbook was uh, literally a quarter of the entire page was just a giant picture of me. And like, I'm sure that infuriated that teacher. <laughs> um, but like, so that sort of taught me like, oh, okay. So like, I like making people laugh. So maybe being like a local news weatherman would be the thing to do. So um, like while, you know, when I was in high school, I continued to do like you know, bits at like talent shows and stuff like that. I would, I would do this thing where I would like, I would basically karaoke a song like Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen or whatever, but I would like turn it into like a stage production. So I would like, I would plan like, like moves and like things that I would do at points of the song. Like I would like dump water on my head when it started like rocking out, I would rather like run through the audience with my shirt off and stuff like that. So, uh, none of this surprises me by the way. Yeah. Uh, I got, uh, I think unfairly disqualified from one talent show because I think I was, a uh, singing beat it by Michael Jackson while shirtless while standing on the judge's table, dumping water on myself and screaming. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, oh my God. yeah, yeah. And this is when I was like 16. Uh, so how did you not get suspended for that? I mean, I don't know. Like, what are they going to suspend me for? <laughs> like there, there, there were no rules saying I couldn't do it, but, um, and I think that that probably sums up my comedy career is like, eh, there's no rules saying I can't do this. <laughs> but, um, so I, uh, so I, um, graduated from high school, uh, went to community college, got really involved in like a local radio station, Continued to just, like, you know, dabble in stand-up for a little bit. Um, like, uh, thought I wanted to be a rapper, so I, like, you know, would write raps all the time and recorded three rap albums with a horrible rap metal band called Manrantula. And um, then I went to Washington State University because I heard that there was a really good kind of broadcast news program uh, sort of with the eye on the prize for me being to be, like, a local news weatherman. And... Um, if you're if you're listening in the Seattle area, Jeff Renner is probably the best example I can think of. Yeah, Jeff Renner, Steve Poole, like kind of uh, the the weatherman in news. Uh, they're they're famous for being the, kind of the, one of the few people on the news team that gets to kind of have their personality. Like the anchors have to be very neutral. The sports guy can have it a little bit, but the weather guy gets to sort of be themselves. So um, I went to WSU. Really, really hustled at like at my classes. Had a really good GPA. 
Um, my final uh, like broadcast for 65, our final kind of broadcast news class, um, we actually did the news for the town and um, we were required to do eight news packages and um, I did 16. And I got to the point that our teacher, uh, Glenn Johnson, uh, specifically requested that I do less news packages. <laughs> like I've got a sheet of paper in the other room. We're recording this in my apartment. He basically said, like, kid, you got an A already. <laughs> but, like, my mindset was, like, oh, no, like, I want to work in news. So I'm going to, so I want to have, like, a really good reel for this. I want to really hustle at it. And, um, like, like, after I graduated, I had, like, a really good tape. And I was starting to talk to a lot of, like, local news people from, like, you know, Post Falls, Idaho and stuff like that that were interested in potentially giving me interviews and giving me a shot. But, like, while I was doing all that news stuff, I was very involved in Cable 8. I was, like... And I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily doing it thinking that comedy was what I wanted to do. It was more like, oh, like hosting all of these shows will, or like writing for these shows will come in handy when I'm a local news weatherman. So um, I like did so much Cable 8 and then like the show that I wrote and produced and co-starred in called Cop Drama actually won like a national college broadcasters incorporated student production award beating out like Harvard, Ithaca, like all the heavy hitter schools and um it was like kind of a it was basically like if the beastie boys sabotage music video was a tv show like so it was like a pastiche of a pastiche and um like even when i got that like i was thinking like oh this trophy's gonna look real cool on my local weather guy desk and um in post falls idaho yeah yeah like like oh this is gonna be a real cool story to tell people in the bar at post falls idaho when i'm doing the local weather or whatever and um right before i graduated a lot of my professors kind of separately, like three, three of my professors separately pulled me aside and suggested, hey, instead of doing news, you should maybe do comedy. Like, and the, the way that they explained it is like, I could do news and be fine, but my like potential for growth is probably better in comedy. And like, I could probably get a higher high in comedy than I could in news. So at the last minute, I um, changed an internship that I had in London. It was like a study abroad from like a CBS News internship to an internship with... Um, a company called Baby Cow Productions that created the Mighty Boosh and uh, a bunch of other shows. Uh, like Steve Coogan uh, co-runs the company. And um, I had some, I had a really good experience there. The guy who co-founded the company was also just like, a, like a, like an all underground British comedy guy. And like his door was open all the time. So I would just go into his office and have conversations with him about comedy and like that was my like oh, okay this is what i'm going to do instead of news thing like this is what i'm going to focus on and 6 7 years later here i am baby you mentioned a lot about like what i've noticed and you'll i know you'll attest to this is um hustle we're just going to use that word because there's nothing else in my brain consciousness thing that i can think of but you are a very very hard dude to pin down but that's because I know that you're always working like there's been a lot of things that you've been doing recently like trying to take over Garfield's official Twitter <laughs> or sending uh, a presidential candidate your beard with a dollar bill in it yeah, and, yeah. I mean this it doesn't just end there it, I mean there's a long pedigree of things that you've been doing including a fake Kanye West Christmas album in I guess, like, where I'm trying to drive this is what is your thoughts on hustle in, in one's career, especially 
in the entertainment industry where there is no linear path. I mean, I definitely, I think that that's my like, definitely like one of my, I guess like kind of entertainment industry superpowers is like, I'm a, I'm a very, very, very hard worker. And I think that that's something that like, um, you know, I mean, some people are just great editors. Some people are good directors. I'm a, I'm a good comedy writer, but like, I think that the reason that I'm a good comedy writer is that I work very hard. And um, I think that really like in any career that you have, I like, I'm a firm believer in just being passionate about what you do. Like, um, you know, like it's uh, like, if you want to be a bartender, try to be the best bartender. Like um, there was this, uh, when we were at WSU, I did this uh, stand-up comedy competition it was like sponsored by American Eagle. I'm actually ten years later wearing the swim trunks I won from that comedy competition as we did this interview. This this I think you were at it actually. Was I at this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, when and where was this? I don't uh, remember this at all. It would have been the fall of 2006. Okay. Um, it was uh, it was in like the Todd Auditorium, basically like American Eagle was looking for a new. Like, I don't remember co- this at all. Yeah, uh, I I only remember it because. Um, like I qualified for it and then they had one that they were like filming for Comedy Central or something. It's like we had a qualifier that like the school decided and then we had one that was like filmed really nice that like Comedy Central or whoever or like people voted on or something. But because I qualified for it, I was allowed to get one free American Eagle outfit. So uh, what I did is I went to an American Eagle in like Spokane and like put together the most expensive possible outfit I put together. So like, I think that they said that I could only have two shirts. So I took two like hundred dollar button up shirts and like buttoned them together. And then I think I wore like four belts like crossed over my chest. Uh, and then like a crazy like and then like the most expensive pair of jeans I could find. I think it was like altogether like a $250 outfit which might not seem like that much if you're like an industry professional but if you're like a college student living on mess hall stuff a $250 outfit's like that's like food for the year that's like a week's worth no that's like a month's worth of clothes yeah 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 that's like yeah so um I uh, there was a a stand-up comedian I I used to do this thing that I I don't really do anymore but I if you're up and coming I definitely recommend it is um if you talk to somebody who you feel is accomplished, ask them what the best life advice that they can think of is. And um, like I did this to uh, like anybody from like crazy religious guys screaming like at people on the sidewalk to um, like former presidents of the university to like, uh, I think one of Martin Luther King's, uh, I think Martin Luther King's son I did um, uh, like Mahatma Gandhi's grandson. And um there was a stand-up comedian named Jasper Reed that um, when I asked him that during that competition, just hanging out backstage, the advice that he gave me is like, if you're going to be a monkey, be a gorilla. And I definitely attest to that. It's like, if you're going to do something, like do it. Like, uh, like if you're going to move to Los Angeles to try to be a comedy writer, you're not going to accomplish that by like sitting in your apartment, getting high and playing Titanfall while talking about how you should write for SNL. Like, you're going to get it by, like, getting really involved in the comedy community, like, being on, like, four sketch groups at once, like, really, like, spending five years, uh, like, every week doing something to, like, 
tighten up your you know five minute SNL character auditions so that when you get that opportunity, you're like solid for it. Like, um, you know, like writing pilots. Like nobody, like no agent or manager, no no agent or manager is going to meet with you based on you having an idea. Like ideas, something that my friend Stephen uh, Perlstein, who I do a lot of stuff with uh, the, the the Kanye West thing. We host a podcast together called "You Should Love Wrestling." Um, should I love wrestling? Um, yeah, you should love wrestling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> done. <laughs> that was a plug. Uh, yeah, um, but uh, like something that um, he always talks about is um, wait. So okay, I lost my track of thought. Uh, if you're going to be a monkey, be a gorilla. Um, Stephen Perlstein. We were talking about hustle. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, I forgot what I said. Maybe I just wanted to throw a Stephen Perlstein plug in there. Um, I think that, well, like, uh, something, that, something that Stephen Perlstein often says is that, um, like, ideas are free. Ideas cost nothing. But, like, delivery on that idea is what, you know, is what is worth it. Like, um, there's a, uh, like... Like at this moment, um, online, um, you might have seen it. Uh, those of you listening at home might have seen it. Somebody wrote like a spec script of Seinfeld that took place during 9-11. And it's basically what a spec script is. is It's like you write a sample episode of a TV show. Seinfeld, uh, you know, uh, is, uh, stopped being on the air in, I think, 97, 98, 99. So long before 9-11. And uh, there's just definitely something like buzzy about that concept of like, oh, what would those characters do during 9-11? And so this person wrote this script, posted it online. That a lot of articles are being written about it. It was on the front page of Reddit, I think, yesterday. And like, this person is going to get work off of this. They're going to get meetings. They're probably going to get agents, managers if they don't have them already. And they wouldn't get that if they were just hanging out with their friends and they said, oh, that would be really funny if somebody did a Seinfeld episode during 9-11 and then did nothing, you know? I, I actually want to see that episode. Like, I mean, I, because, I mean, I, I mean, both of us grew up in a time where, um, I mean, I, I remember 9-11. It was a very, very scary, scary time to grow up in. And <laughs> hey, Can we play some really dramatic music while you talk about it? Does, are you saying the Seinfeld slot bass doesn't count? <laughs> yeah, please go back and go back and as you talk about nine eleven, play the the Seinfeld, just like just like some Seinfeld. Oh my undertrack. god! No, it's just like I don't see nine eleven and Seinfeld existing in the same universe, which is a very interesting thing to think about. But yeah, it's like that's a script that fuck. I want to read that one, but it, yeah, but you've you've really I, I love your attitude on hustle, and it's making me like want to go back and start hustling even more and just it's great to have the and I, I agree with you Joey it's great to have these ideas but I don't care if it's unless it's shipped I'd rather yeah. see something shipped than perfect and and I'm not trying to say that I'm not trying to say that um, things that should be just slapped together craft is important yeah I'll be the first one to stand up for, for craft However, if you're laboring over details that in many ways are irrelevant and it's preventing it from getting out the door to have other people's eyeballs on it, then you're wasting your time and energy. Well, yeah, like uh, there's a... Uh, 
I think that what you're going for as somebody like making things, um, you're not necessarily aiming to make the perfect film, the perfect script, the perfect video or whatever. I think that all that you're aiming for is delivery on concept. And what that to me is, is, okay, I want to see an episode of Seinfeld that takes place during 9-11. Is this the best episode of Seinfeld ever? Probably not. But is it an episode of Seinfeld that takes place during 9-11? Yes. Great. Like, uh, you know, like um, my friends and I, we made a uh, complete album parody of Kanye West's uh, Jesus, where instead of him thinking he's Jesus, he thinks he's Santa Claus. Um, it... Well, we, we worked very hard on it. It took, you know, a couple months to put together. A lot of really great people helped out with it. Carl Tart, uh, current writer for Mad TV, did an amazing Kanye West impersonation for it. But, like, is it the best Kanye West album ever? No. But does it deliver on the concept of Jesus, but if it was about him thinking he's Santa Claus? Yes. In an alternative universe, Donald Trump is elected and Kanye West is christened. Or is Santa. Yeah, I mean... Maybe that'd be fun. I don't know. <laughs> we'll find out in November, folks. Yeah, when Kanye West becomes Santa Claus. How would, I mean, that'd be kind of cool if Santa Claus, if Kanye West just showed up to people's houses on like. I mean, he would have to put some time in, like. Yeah, he would. Yeah, it would just. It would probably be like a month of just like going door to door and handing people gifts. <laughs> I think he's here. He's here. Yeah, yeah. Um, what are your advice to those people coming to LA? Um. First bit of advice: Go home. There's no jobs for you here. Why? Because yeah. I'm gonna take your job. Yeah, don't take my comedy writing jobs. I need those. <laughs> yeah, go go away. Uh, New York's a good place. Yeah, yeah. New York, Chicago, just not here. Atlanta's booming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know. Go to Canada. Vancouver, but, uh, Vancouver and Toronto. You mean? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, but uh, outside of <laughs> outside of, go away. Uh, the uh, <laughs> yeah, get off my lawn. <laughs> Uh, outside of that advice, um, the advice that I've got is, uh, the first thing that you're going to want to do is get a job that doesn't have to be a job in the industry. It doesn't have to be, uh, like, you know, a great assistant job, or if you want to be a writer or writer's assistant job, it just has to be something that allows you to pay your bills while either allowing you networking opportunities or allowing you the time to get networking opportunities. Something that um, I think that a lot of uh, my friends stress about still, like, and something that, and a lot of my friends have been here even longer than I have, is like, oh, okay, like, I need to pay my rent, but I'm not getting a job as like a writer or on a TV show or whatever like then start driving for uber like uber you have to like pay your rent like you have to keep your head above water um and uh you know it's like uh there are i know that if you're moving here with a bachelor's and you're you're worried about getting a job at like a starbucks or something like that like bite the bullet yeah like i like i know i know phd students who, are, who have jobs at starbucks because they also want to be screenwriters i mean i'm i have a master's in advertising and i'm working at a visual effects company. And I'm not trying to dog on that job at all. I mean, Come I, on, man. Give us that dirt. No, <laughs> Name your bosses. Tell us tell us which one's your least favorite. I, we're not going to go there. I actually really like my job. I mean... <laughs> Good answer. Uh, 
Well, I'm working at one of the top visual effects companies in the world. I mean, we we have four global offices. I mean, this is not about me, though. I mean, I'm the point I'm making is, like you said, when you first come to LA, you need to find that job. You yeah. need to find the opportunity that's gonna let you live because. I know from experience that running out of money and going back home sucks. I did that, and it's the worst thing in the world. So you're absolutely right in the fact that you don't necessarily want that to happen. You want to stay here because the minute you leave, those opportunities disappear with it. Yeah, and like uh, you know, it's definitely the case in Los Angeles. Probably also the case in New York, where it's like you you kind of have to be here to get those opportunities. Oh, absolutely. Like. You know, uh, like, because uh, so much of Los Angeles, uh, things in Los Angeles tend to happen quickly. Like, I've gotten I've gotten jobs where it's like, I get a call at 10 in the morning from, from a number that I don't recognize. I answer it. It's somebody I don't know uh, saying that they got my resume or saw my writing samples on, like, something. They want me to come in and interview at, like, noon or 1. I do... And then by four or five, I find out if I got the job and it starts like the next day or two days later. Or I've, I've been in that like, in that position before, like the last reality show I yeah. worked on before actually uh, working um, at the mill was I got a phone call at 6 p.m. And they're like, yeah, um, can you work tomorrow? And I mean, I didn't exactly want to go work on a reality show, but yeah. I said yes. I mean, I needed the money. And yeah, I was with with less than twelve hours. I was on a um, reality show for the next three weeks. Yeah, that's the nature of the business. Um, if you don't find those opportunities right after moving down here, you'll find them. You just got to put yourself in a position to be ready to pivot. Well, yeah, well, yeah. I think that that's um, that's something that I think freaks people out because like. We're so used to uh, like job stability or Two like a years desire for that. Company going yeah. to another company for yeah. four, five, and another one and another. Yeah, like uh, it's still like I feel like my parents and grandparents are, and I've been in Los Angeles for six years, are just to the point where when I say like uh, when I say like oh yeah I'm looking for work that like they don't think it's a bad thing. Like, I feel like when I used to tell friends and family that, like, oh, yeah, like, I just finished up a job, uh, you know, like, sending out, you know, emails for other options or whatever. Like, it used to be, like, this somber, like, oh, are you okay, man? And, like, they, I mean, it, 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 that's just how the entertainment industry goes. And it's, like, you sit, you make a bunch of money really quick, and then you save it for a couple months or a couple weeks or a couple days, and you get another job, and then you have that for six months, and then you... You know, I, like I was talking about it up top uh, at the start of the podcast uh, in my uh, very fun NASA name bit um, about, uh, yeah, you know, you just kind of go from job to job and like eventually you'll hit a point where you're going to be at a place for like, you know, a year or two or you get, you get longer contracts. But especially, especially when you're just starting, like it could be a day, it could be a week, it could be three weeks. Yeah. Like and just uh, but uh, to go back when I was saying, like, just get a job that allows you to sustain yourself, um, but don't. Uh, become complacent in that job. I think that um, there are a lot of people that I've known that have moved here where they'll move to Los Angeles, get a job like at a movie theater or something, and they'll think to themselves like, oh, I work at a movie theater, so it's like I'm like working in the entertainment industry. And like they won't like they won't write, they won't 
audition for things. They won't like take classes or whatever. They won't like try to. They won't like do. They won't like apply for other jobs. And then after a year, they move home because like they just didn't do anything. Yeah. And I think this is all really good advice. But what but we... you're going to delete this episode. <laughs> and that was fun. Yeah. No, uh, what advice do you have for the kid who's been here for, let's say, seven or eight months, maybe almost a year, and he has that job, and he's he's bouncing around from PA gigs, or maybe it's she is bouncing around for PA gigs. <laughs> Thanks and, for being gender inclusive. Oh, uh, yeah. Come on. It's 2016. Oh, uh, yeah. With stepping, stepping, everybody. stepping bravely into 1995 and being gender inclusive. Exactly. <laughs> Hey man, it took Mega Man thirty years to have a female robot villain. It's yeah, that's news to me. Uh, yeah. I don't even know who Mega Man is, but that's besides the point. Yeah, the yeah. point I'm wondering is, what do you say to that kid who's been here for more, a little less, or more than a year, and he's or she is looking for that next thing to do and that next adventure? Do they take classes? How do they move up this? insane ladder that makes no sense that we call Hollywood in the entertainment business. What is that next step for them? I mean, I think that um, it's really tough to give specific advice for something like that because it's like everybody's path is sort of different. Well, then let's just talk in generalities. Like, what... <laughs> Somebody named Richard Lutz who works at them. <laughs> no, so let's not make it about me. Let's yeah, make it I'm about that kidding, kid who's uh, graduating from WSU right now and who might be listening to this. I mean, kid who literally just graduated almost three months ago, who's seriously on the fence thinking about this. Because I know you, both you and me were in that position, thinking about coming down here. And it wasn't an easy decision to make, especially for me. I mean, you know my phone calls. Oh, so yeah. I stressed about this shit. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, let's, he would call me... Every I don't know of, if I can do it. Yeah, I don't know. Every couple of days with that conversation, and like, Ouch. and like, I had that conversation with people too before I moved down here. But um, okay, so kid, kid who's been here for seven, eight months, uh, he has a so is his job industry related, or is he working at like a Burger King, or what's he doing? Let's let's play both options. Let's say the option where it's kids in the business. He's like maybe working a basic PA job. He's been on the show for a few months. It's it looks like the show is going to be going on for a while. Let's just play that situation out. Okay, so uh, I guess that... Uh, actually, I have specific advice for that kid. Um, if you're a PA on a show and the PA days are really long and it's like 16 hours long and you work six, seven-day weeks or you know five or six-day weeks or whatever and you don't want to... like work in that side of the industry by that i mean if you're a pa on a reality show but you really want to be like you know hannibal burris or uh like uh or like amy poehler or whatever Ari Gold. then or or if, <laughs> or if you want to be like yeah like ari gold um then like i would be very careful about getting stuck in that pa gig like I know a lot of people that um, they'll get they'll get a job that's sort of tangentially related to what they want to do, but like it won't allow them the time to do the thing that they want to do. So like um, uh, you know, if you're a PA and you're working on a reality show for 16 hours a day, 
like for five or six days a week, that's like time that you can't spend writing or doing stand up or taking acting classes or auditioning for things or whatever. If you do, if that is the side of the industry that you want to do, if you want to like, if it's, if it's a reality TV show and you want to edit for reality TV, or you want to um, write for reality TV or be a producer for reality TV or casting or whatever, then um, like then stick it out and uh, don't necessarily be annoying about what you want to do. But there's going to be a point where the producer that you're PAing with and you have worked with them for eight hours, like helping them with some random shoot, where they're going to like ask you what you want to do and um you know have an answer if the answer is editing then um like and you build a rapport with them then maybe like when that season ends you can sort of uh, you know ask them if they're like post pa gigs that way you can sort of move laterally or diagonally to like the thing that you want to do there or like casting pa gigs or whatever um but uh if that's if reality isn't what you want to do um it's good to work a PA job for a certain amount of time just to get sort of your industry training of how to act on set and just like to kind of get your, uh, uh, get your starstruckness shaken out of you. Like once you see a couple, when, when you see your first celebrity or two, you'll freak out. But like you want to get to the point where when you're on a professional set and you're an actor or whatever, that you're cool. And uh, no, I know like uh, these things too. I mean, I did. I didn't do much PAing down here in Los Angeles. Most of my PA training came from working uh, on the commercial side in Seattle. And I will. Uh, we never really had that big of celebrities. I think the biggest we had was Jean Renault on, <laughs> cool. on a Bentley commercial that was a train wreck. <laughs> Great. It, the, King Griffey Jr. wouldn't just randomly walk on set. You, you know, be like, get out of here, Griffey. <laughs> If it was, if it weren't Griffey, it'd be Buner Ma- or Macklemore. Yeah, Griffey, Buner, Macklemore, maybe Steve Poole if it's a local commercial. Or Pearl Jam. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just all of Pearl Jam. If all of Pearl Jam shows up, I'm handing Eddie Vedder a guitar. I will find a guitar huh. and say, Eddie. I mean, you're you're not being a good PA in that case. Your no, job's your, I, your I, job's to shoot Pearl Jam off the set and tell him, sorry guys, we got to film this Audi commercial. Hey, shoot. Yeah, yeah, just hey. <laughs> Hey, 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 I'm going to count to 10, just like your album. (laughs) Yeah, but I I agree with Wait, Why don't you make like a Mookie Blaylock, which was your uh, original band name and hit the courts Pearl Jam. Oh, my God. Yeah. uh, If you're a PA and you've got good Pearl Jam singers uh, and you want a job as a writer, send me an email. (laughs) Or... Or find us on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, wait, is this where we're going like, to yeah, halfway like through Twitter? Halfway through the now we'll say that for the end. <laughs> uh, that way, that way they don't just drop everything and stop listening. Um, or hashtag Pearl Jam joked. Remember that for later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wait, will you promise me that you, if anybody tweets at you Pearl Jam jokes, you'll read them during your next episode? Oh, I'll I'll forward them to you, and if we do a follow up episode, that oh great, happen. yeah. But no, I, I absolutely agree with you in the notion that as a PA, like you need to be, you need to be professional on set. Like, yeah, that's there is n- there is no exception to professionalism, yeah. and that doesn't matter what business this is. This business is very different from other yeah. businesses, and I'll be the first one to say that there is a lot of politics that goes into this. But as a production assistant. You need to be seen and not heard. And that's a really, really hard thing to learn. I've made that mistake before myself. But it's one of those things that you learn when you... You learn over time. 
So if I were to offer advice to any kid who's moving here from Pullman, Washington, my best advice that I can offer is find a PA on set and follow him around and don't say anything. Just more or less observe what he's doing and how he's behaving on set and use his reactions as how you should be reacting and carrying yourself on this job. Because what's going to happen ultimately in this job this, it doesn't matter if you're working in Seattle, Atlanta, uh, New York, and man, your phone is just blowing oh, up. sorry. No, you're good. It doesn't matter if you're working in Seattle, Atlanta, Los Angeles, or New York. The people that you meet on this job are going to, most likely, if you do a decent job and you don't completely fuck up, which sometimes happens, the people that you meet are going to carry into your next job, and yeah. your next job, and your next job, and it's just a perpetual cycle, and that's how you move up. It is different working in studio environments and working a staff job, but for the vast majority of people, if they're down here doing their thing, it's based off of not what you not 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 what you know, but who you know, and that's a it's a cliche, but it's it's so true. Oh yeah, I mean, like I I make a lot of video sketches. Um, just you know, uh, professionally for uh, companies for pay, and then also just for my own sketch groups. And I've never posted a casting notice. It's always just like, oh, who do I know? Who am I friends with that I know would be really good in this part? And like, part of that's just like I'm really involved in the comedy community here, so I know a lot of actors that are you know that are good. They're they're not just like my roommate or whatever. And um, like. You know, even editors. Like, I never, I'm never going to post on Craigslist looking for an editor. I'm just going to probably, I'll ask one of my friends who's an editor if there's like, like me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll ask one of my friends who's an editor if they know a good comedy editor. Uh, yeah, it's I just, work on that. <laughs> it's just like how, it's just kind of how every job here goes. But like, I think what's also more interesting about that is when you do look on Craigslist, it's just a wasteland. Of projects that have potential. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm much more interested in using my network as a means to create opportunities for myself, as opposed to looking at job boards. I think looking at job boards is, in many ways, a waste of time and energy. I mean, I think I think that... they're good, but it's like I think there's more interest in people that I know in banking. Putting more money and invest, or not money is money's not the word, but investing more on those people as opposed to spending time on entertainmentcareers.net, uh, staff me up in Craigslist. Well, I mean, I think that okay. So if you're um, if you're a coog that just moved down here, or actually if you're not a coog, stop listening to this podcast. Yeah. If you're a husky, I hate you, <laughs> but I love you. But you know, you're you know, probably fine. You know, it's the rivalry. Um, but, uh, if you're a husky, we will fight you. Um, Come out. But uh, no, I'm talking for real. You <laughs> but, mean like a uh, news fight in uh, uh, Anchorman? No, that's a movie. I'm talking a real fight. Ooh, we but but um, okay, so uh, what are we talking about? Um, yeah. Uh, so if you're if you're a coog that we just moved down here, or if you are um, if you're somebody that like maybe you've been here a year and you just finished a job and like that hasn't carried over into your next job like i think that entertainment careers staff me up in craigslist are worthwhile to apply for jobs at 
I've never actually gotten a job through any of those sites. Every job that I've gotten has been through some personal recommendation, be it the showrunner being somebody who I'm friends with who's like, you're great, come write for this show. Or somebody being like, my friend needs a good, my friend is a producer at this thing and they need a good writer and I thought of you. So here's their email, email them if you want. Yeah. And um, I've gotten interviews through kind of the job boards, but it's like, I think that it's, it's useful to do that just because it feels like you're being active. I, I would agree with that. And I mean, when I first lived in LA and before I ran out of money, I applied for this, I can't remember what it was, but it was at E. Yeah. And I think the only reason I got that was because I was, I just left E and I was a intern there for three months and that's how I got the job. Yeah. Or I, I didn't get the job, but I got to the interview. That's the only reason I got to the interview. Yeah. In so most times it's, it doesn't really, I've never really found success through the job boards. They're good to look at and good to apply to, but I think one's network is worth a lot more. That's why they say to kids who go to USC that they have the strongest network in town in some cases. I mean, that is that is a very debatable statement that they have the strongest network, but it makes sense in terms of this conversation to a certain degree. Well, yeah, something that... Um... A piece of advice that I often give to people that just move here is um, like so much of uh, so much of the jobs that you're going to get here and the opportunities that you're going to get are going to be from people that you know. And when you first move here, unless you're related to a producer or an actor or something, you're probably not going to know very many people. So um, don't be afraid to hit up your alumni connections. Like you know, if you have a teacher that was sort of in charge of the, of the program at your college. E- email them and ask if they know anybody that is in Los Angeles working in the entertainment industry or just like, you know, uh, just keep your ear open. Like if you hear of like a writer that you like or something like or like a producer that you like or an editor or whatever that like went to your school, try to get coffee with them. And, um, you know, uh, like w- what I would do is like I would email people and then just ask like, is it cool if I like get coffee with you for like 15 minutes and pick your brain? Or is it cool if I like get lunch with you and, you know, offer to buy the coffee? They'll probably see that you're poor and a recent graduate and buy it for you, which is always nice. But um, like I've gotten um, like that's how I got my first interviews and first jobs. It's like I just made it a point to get coffee or lunch with like two or three people a week when I first moved here. And some of those were people that I went to college with that moved here that were like, you know, barely a year above me. Um, and then other people were like friends of the, friends of their friends or like bigger gets where it's like, oh, you're somebody who's been here for 10 years and you write for this TV show. But like maybe if I'm nice, you'll, you know, I reached out to you blankly through your website or whatever. And I would also suggest that um, don't ask. I mean, chances are you, you may not get a job from these people, which is fine. I mean, that's, yeah. that's completely um, fine. And I would say that it's like, if you're expecting a job from somebody that could happen, but what you're better off getting is contacts and meeting people and asking in a polite manner. And who else can you suggest that I reach out to? Is there any other people that you know that might be someone that I should be speaking with about opportunities here in Los Angeles because getting started in this business and and making it work 
is not an easy thing to pull off. It, this this town is very, very tough. I mean, so, yeah. Well, I think that if you are, um, like, if you have, like, a lunch or coffee scheduled with somebody, like, uh, basically, like, I feel like something that's more important than getting a job from somebody that you're getting coffee with. Because, like, if you meet with a guy writing for the James Corden show or something like that, like, he's not going to give you a job as a writer. You just graduated from college. He probably, he or she probably had to, um, like, just grind it out in the comedy community for a decade before getting that job. And, like, they're not going to give that to, like, a new graduate unless you, like... You better ha- have something cool to offer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and that's, like, one, maybe one college student... A year of all college students has that. Like Megan Amram would be a good example of like, she had, you know, five hundred thousand Twitter followers by the time she graduated. But, which, uh, which is impressive, but that just shows hustle and yeah, 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 and focus. I mean, that's that's for most of us, even in the business, and especially recent graduates. If you have five hundred thousand followers, like you're doing something right. And the advice that we're offering does not apply. So if that's you, stop listening. Hey, if that's you, hire me. <laughs> me too. Uh, but uh, yeah, because you're not. Don't hire me now if you're unemployed. But if you're like, if you're the showrunner of a show in two years, uh, keep let's me. talk. <laughs> yeah, but um, like, uh, if you meet with somebody, if you get coffee with somebody, um, your first question shouldn't be, "Can you get me a job?" You should ask them about like how they got their start like you know any sort of advice that they have and then if it feels like the conversation's going well what i would always do is like oh yeah and like you know if you hear of anybody that needs any assistance or anything like that uh definitely keep me in mind uh in some cases they're probably gonna say like oh yeah sure whatever kid and they'll forget that they said that in other cases they'll say like oh yeah sure totally yeah can you email me your resume and then you'll email them your resume and maybe they'll keep you in mind in other cases, they'll, like, really go to bat for you. And, like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's how I got, like, a lot of my first job interviews is, like, meeting with somebody, having coffee with them, talking to them for, like, an hour about just, like, entertainment industry tips. At the end of the conversation, you know, letting them know I'm looking for work very politely and non-desperately. Them um, offering to send my resume around to places or, you know, just keeping me in mind if they hear of something. And then three weeks later they do hear something and they keep me in mind and and that's i think that's the best advice if you're coming to la now we are running out of time only have about 10 minutes left before and you have other things that you have to be doing <laughs> which I, I want to be respectful of your time but in the next couple minutes what about that kid who's working at starbucks i mean we briefly or burger king like we mentioned earlier we talked about that very very briefly but we haven't really divulged into it. Do you think this same information that we've kind of talked about applies to that kid as well? Okay, uh, first bit of advice for that kid, move back home. There's no jobs for you here. <laughs> uh, if you're New York, sta- Atlanta, and Seattle yeah, yeah, are just, all great just, just, Yeah, just stay out of my town. <laughs> the uh, second bit of advice for that kid is, um, like, I would say that a lot of the same advice applies to you um, like, uh, I think that the advice of trying to get coffee with your, with people that work in the industry is a good idea. Um, like, you know, like do what you can to kind of network in that way. Like be it 
like somebody reached out to me recently on LinkedIn. She graduated from WSU this year. She just moved into town. She probably like just checked like the WSU alumni Los Angeles LinkedIn group or something. Is there a LinkedIn group? I know probably. I think there's a LinkedIn group. There's I, a Facebook group. I know that. And um, you know, she probably just went down the list and was like, oh, okay. This person lives in Los Angeles. This person doesn't. This person lives in Los Angeles and writes for kids' TV shows. Oh, I want to write for kids' TV shows. I should hit that guy up. And, um, like, you know, do what you can to kind of hustle that way. Try to meet with people and, like, network your way into an industry job. Um, You know, uh, if you can afford it, uh, it kind of depends on what you want to do. But, like, I'm a firm believer in getting involved in a community of people who are also making things. And I, I did want to touch on this. I mean, you've been really involved in UCB especially. Do you think that applies to all professions in this business? For, for me, I'm, I'm, I work at a post house. I'm involved in specifically editorial and visual effects. I mean, do you think that still would apply to, say, a 23-year-old Richard who has recently moved to Los Angeles? Or do you think that advice doesn't necessarily apply to those sort of people well i guess that um i think that something that's really rough about los angeles when you first move here that isn't necessarily an industry thing it's just like making friends and like people that you can hang out with outside of maybe people that you went to college with um i think that uh something that um ucb and uh you know the pack theater the groundlings wherever um Something that you can definitely get from there is um, you can meet a group of people who are probably around your same age, probably around your same interests, um, and they're all motivated enough to spend four to $500 on a class to do a thing. Like, I feel like, I mean, personally for me, I think that the vast majority of my friends in Los Angeles have come from people that I've like, met in the comedy community people that i've done shows with people that i've just met at like ucb team meetings or something like that and or like house you know house team meetings or whatever and um like you know i think that um like if you want to be an editor dude at ucb who like is making a video sketch is going to need an editor like if you want to be a cinematographer uh somebody at ucb would love to have a cinematographer for their thing and um, it's just sort of a way that, like, if you didn't go to a UCLA or some other, like, major uh, networking kind of place like that. SC. Oh, yeah, SC or whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm... Like, uh, UCB is a, it, it's a good film school for people who didn't go to film school from the networking side of it. And, and to clarify, we're not hating on UCLA, SC, NYU. Oh, I fucking like, am. I, I am so hard. No, when it comes to football season, it, yeah, yeah. Boogs, it's like, that's... No, no, I'm just, I'm, no, I'm just being a jerk. Uh, when it comes to football, the gloves come off, but that's the, the exception of the rule. I have much respect for the people that do go to SC, UCLA, or those programs. And I absolutely agree with Joey here that um, those UCB is a viable path, so... I, I want to, like I said before, I want to be sensitive of your time. I mean, oh, no, so, we're, we're fine. We can go another couple minutes. So you've suggested that UCB is an option. Is there any other things that you would suggest to kids who who have recently moved down here? Um, okay, so all that I really know is the comedy community, so I can really only speak on that. Um, 
There's uh, something called Channel 101. It's a monthly film festival created by a guy named Dan Harmon, who created the show Community, as well as Rick and Morty, which is currently on Adult Swim. And um, that's, uh, that's a community of people who make basically short films every month, and they always need random PAs who will work for free. They always need, uh, they always need like, you know, a guy to edit their show or a guy to shoot it or whatever. I made a Star and, Wars intro. Yeah, yeah. Like Richard made Star Wars intro for a, a show that I that I uh, wrote and produced with a good friend. And um, like, working on a Channel One One show might not pay you, but like all of those guys making Channel One One shows write for Rick and Morty or like produce for Nickelodeon shows or whatever or their PAs yeah or they're like PAs I I remember I was talking with uh, Charles Wolford at the time he was the um, chief uh, production officer at Fallon which is a ad agency in Minneapolis Um, you've seen their work if you've seen an Arby's ad we have the meats that's Fallon I exclusively watch Arby's ads well there you go (laughs) What he said to me, which was kind of interesting, is those kids who start out as PAs are going to be the next Spielbergs. They're yeah. going to be the next... Uh, I, I feel really bad right now. Who wrote the newsroom? Uh, Sorkin. Sorkin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorkin. Yeah. Going to be the next Aaron Sorkins. They're going to be the next uh, power players of this industry. And I think it's about taking those at-bats. And swinging even if you miss because one of the biggest things that we learned through wsu and what most kids learn in film school is fail yeah like be okay with failure yeah and 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 i i'll be completely honest with with you this is a concept that i struggle with i mean in many ways i'm not taking the risks and the liberties to allow myself to failure to be okay with failure and even with the dart, when we were working on that, this web series we worked on years ago, I still have to get you the clips. I yeah, you, yeah, this is why you're here. Give me these clips, right? Um, no, it's like we did some really weird edits, but they were also incredibly funny. And it's like I know if we kept continuing down that pathway, shit would have gotten weirder and more entertaining at the same time. Well, yeah, like, um, uh, yeah, B.O., like... Be okay to try things and, uh, like, expect them to not... Don't expect them to go perfectly. Like, I... Perfect example. Um, like, I wrote three three uh, television half-hour comedy pilots within the past, like, couple months. And I sent all of them to my manager, uh, like, last week. Like, his first time seeing pretty much all of them. With the attitude that one or two of these is going to suck. But like one is probably going to be good, and uh, but that's good after several revisions. There's a nugget in there that might be working. Yeah, it's not but, get off the bat. but yeah, but yeah, but I'm what, what I'm talking about with that is like it's like creating a massive content, and like maybe one of them that I wrote that like was like maybe a strikeout instead of a, a home run. Like maybe there's stuff that I learned in that. Maybe there's like a type of joke that I learned that I like to write, or like. You know, just, like, do a lot of stuff, and you learn what you like or don't like to do. And, like, especially as a creative, that's how you learn your style. Like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I like I do a lot of random social media bits that Lutz talked about. Like, a, a Garfield thing. I, I took over Garfield's... Basically, there was, like, an... Uh, the official Garfield Twitter account was trying to do, like, a Q&A session with Garfield. And I realized that their Twitter account wasn't verified, so I changed my Twitter handle to Garfield Official, 
and answered all the questions before they could. <laughs> and that's not something that I did with any expectation. I did that just because two months ago, I noticed that the Garfield Twitter account wasn't verified. So I thought it'd be really funny to like change my handle to Garfield official and every once in a while post Garfield facts. And is this your Garfield shirt? Uh, it is now. I'm wearing an orange <laughs> shirt. Yeah, like, so now I'm officially Garfield. Um, but so like I did that just for fun. And like while I was doing that, like it didn't front page Reddit or anything, but like it got write-ups in like the AV Club, the Daily Dot, Twitter made an official moment. And now like, like, it's like that plus the Ted Cruz thing where I shaved my beard and sent it off to Ted Cruz, which once again did with no expectations. I just wanted to shave my beard and post it on Facebook. Hey, uh, if I, I'm going to shave my beard. If anybody wants me to mail you my beard, let me know and I'll do it. Just because I thought it was, I thought that that was a funny Facebook post. One of my friends was like, you should mail it to Ted Cruz. And I was like, yeah, that's very funny. So I did it. And, um, like I, like I noticed that um, people were uh, making those fake Facebook events for like a, you know a Limp Bizkit concert in uh, like a gas station parking lot or like uh, Papa Roach in front of an AutoZone. So I tried to think of like what was the like just for, once again just for fun, no expectations. It could have gone nowhere, but like I created a Facebook event that was like Smash Mouth doing a concert in like a supermarket dumpster. And it blew up. It got like five, ten thousand people that like said they were going or interested or whatever. And then when it came to the day of the event, which I picked very arbitrarily, I uh, I decided to like actually book uh, like an impersonator from the lead singer of Smash Mouth. I have a friend that does a good Steve Harwell impersonation, and we like put on an actual concert and like live streamed it. And then I took a picture of like like a dozen random people I didn't know showed up to it, which was real weird. And so I took a group picture with them. So th and then I posted that picture on Reddit under the funny thing with like the caption being like, I advertised a fake Smash Mouth concert and the real lead singer showed up. <laughs> and like it made it on the front page of Reddit before they realized that I was a fraud. And this man in his mid-20s who looks nothing like Steve Harwell was not the real Steve Harwell. <laughs> Somewhere um, Steve Harwell was like, I should have gone to that dumpster. I mean, I honestly sent his like agent an email to try to get him. But it's like, like these are all things that I did with zero expectations that I can guarantee at some point in the next couple months is going to lead to me getting a job. Like I submitted a bunch of sketches to a sketch group that's got like a couple hundred thousand followers on YouTube recently or like on Monday. And like the fact that I was written up by the Onion AV Club last week definitely means that they're going to look at those pitches that I sent them with like more of a warm eye than they would if I didn't have that. And it's the same with like, you know, if you're making a documentary, if you want to get a job at like Sports Center, are they more likely to hire you? Yeah, Sports Center, you know, editing sports clips. Are they more likely to hire you? Vice might be a better example. Or like yeah, Vice would be a better example. Like are they more likely to hire you if you just have a good reel and a good resume? Or are they more likely to hire you if you have a good reel, a good resume, and you released a document, uh, like a short form documentary that has a million views because it's about a hot button issue or whatever. Like they're definitely gonna hire the second guy because it's like, oh, he's got a proven success in 
dramatic things or comedy things or whatever. So I guess like, you know, in addition to all the other advice I've given, just like make, make, your, just make, make stuff, yeah. make stuff, like do stuff like, you know, and that doesn't have to be like, don't spend five years on a feature. If you're new, like make short things and post them online. And like, even if it doesn't blow up, like the guy who's the production coordinator at the show that you're PAing on might look at it and say like, Oh, that's really funny. Oh, that's really good. Oh, that was a really cool thing that you made. And then like, a year later when he's looking for, you know, a camera assistant, he might be like, oh, you shot a really good thing. Do you want to be the camera assistant for this? And he's not going to do that if you're like just a PA, you know? Things lead to things is what you're basically yeah, saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd say that that's sort of, I feel like we rambled a little bit, but that's sort of the thesis. It's just like work leads to work. Even if it's just, even if it's you taking over a Garfield Twitter account because you're bored. <laughs> like, Which is the true story of what happened, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I just got bored and did it with no expect. I did it first. I just did it because I thought it would be funny. And then I saw that the, the Q&A was coming up and it was like, oh, this could be funny and also annoying for them. <laughs> um, and it probably was. <laughs> Success was yours. Anyways. Um, yeah, any other questions or I'm, things you want to cover? I want to loop back to this thing you said earlier about best life advice. What... What is the best life advice that you've received? Um, okay, so um, there are two pieces of life advice that I received from people that I really look up to. One is from um, a guy named Glenn Terrell. He was uh, the president of Washington State University during yeah, yeah okay, um, during uh, the civil rights era, and he's considered to be one of the best presidents that WSU ever had. He um, passed away recently. Within, probably within the past couple of years. But um, while I was at WSU, I found out that he was still alive. And he's the type of guy that like half of the campus is named after him. He's definitely like a figure there. But I found out that he was still alive. I sent him a letter through the current president's office. And um, they, you know, like they thought it was weird, but they, but they mailed along. A couple months later, I got a call from him. And he must have been in his 90s at this point. But he had like an hour long conversation with me about just like advice and he was just excited that like a student wanted to talk to him and um one of the things that he said that is the best advice on leadership that he's ever gotten is that um make sure that you have concrete goals because if you don't all of your decisions are going to be made into a vacuum um like if you uh you know if your goal is to be famous like then figure out what that means is that to be is it to uh, like hosts a late night show in the next five years. Okay, if that's the case, start taking stand up classes. Start doing stand up. Start like, start like hosting. You know your own YouTube show that you post on your, your on your Facebook account. Like, uh, and then even make like micro goals in that. If your goal is to, um, you know, if your goal is to do a half hour stand up comedy set, like do a lot of open mics and like work on material. Or if your goal is to, um have a YouTube account with 10,000 subscribers or whatever, then like, what can you do to make that happen? You can make a new video every week. You can like try to collaborate with bigger YouTubers, just like have a big goal and then have, and then try to figure out smaller micro goals that can lead to that. Like something that I do every year is like, I identify two or three big goals that I'm going for, for the entire year. And then I make smaller goals within that. So like, 
you know, uh, like one of my goals is to, uh, like I mainly do uh, sketch writing, but one of my goals is to transition into sort of like longer form television sitcom writing. And um, so, okay, how, how should I do that? Uh, I should submit to five writing fellowships. I should try to write four pilots. I should take three writing classes. I should read four books on pilot writing. I should read or watch 10 pilots, you know, like it's just, and then like, uh, you know, it's just like, what are goals that could lead to that thing? So even if I, even if I'm not staffed on a TV show by the end of this year, I'll still feel closer than I was if I didn't. So just to summarize what you're saying is basically you're reevaluating your goal every six to 12 months yeah, and then deconstructing what that goal is in terms of actionable things that you can ultimately yeah. be doing. Yeah. Like, uh, if you're like, you're having your goal being to be a star is not a goal. Having your goal being to make a video that you, that you are heavily featured in that you wrote that has a million, uh, views on YouTube or Facebook. That's a goal. And I would, I'm going to follow up on that whole being famous is, shouldn't be a goal in terms of coming down here for far too many people it is fame is a product yeah. of the work and you, i mean I, well, yeah. I don't know if we will achieve that in our lifetimes however we work towards however, that, even however, if that i will definitely be posthumously famous after i die i'm gonna be huge <laughs> he's gonna be huge on the wikipedia yeah 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 um, and then you said you had one more piece of... Well, but but uh, I guess going back on that, uh, yeah, I think it's just, it's having actionable goals. And like fame, jobs, uh, like money, those aren't, those are, those, you can definitely have those as goals, but those aren't, those are, those are products of being good and being nice and being hardworking. They're not like, you can't audition to be fame. You, you don't. You don't get a TV. You don't get a role on a TV show because you want to be famous. You get a role on a TV show because you're really good and exactly what they're looking for. So, like, your goal shouldn't be to be famous. It should be good, and then that'll lead to being famous or rich or employed or whatever. Um, don't the Blue Scholars have a song about this? Be good um, at something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> just yeah, reference. The song's just called. Be good at something. No, no, no. They mentioned like have a craft, be good at something. Yeah, and I'm I'm a firm believer in that. Have a thing that you're good at, so that when people are like, oh, I need an editor who comes to the top of my mind. That's another that's another piece of advice. Is like don't, uh, don't try to do everything, like or don't try to market yourself as everything. Don't say that if somebody asks what you do, don't say, oh, I act, I direct, I write, I uh, I shoot, I edit. Um, I produce. Also, I work at a tortilla stand. Like the tortilla stand is the most interesting of that list, by the way. Honestly, yeah. Like, cause I mean, I'm not gonna know what you're good at. The, but the one that caught me was the tortilla stand. But jokes aside, yeah. Like, um, like I'm gonna go to that guy or girl for tortillas and not to direct something. Exactly. And the thing about LA is there's so many people here. Be specific. Yeah. Like, I mean, I know. I was watching a thing last night that a friend of mine who works at a company called Trailer Park, they do a lot of entertainment marketing. Yeah. And it was interesting. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm a writer. I'm a director. I also edit. And then it's like, and it but yeah, kept but going in circles like this. It's like, oh, I didn't know you're, um, you're a barista. Now tell me more. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm a barista. And oh, yeah, now I'm a uh, five-star chef. Yeah. Like, this town is full with, with 
a lot of very very talented people yeah so it's really and it's it's hard i'll be the first one to say this i remember talking with one of our advisors and i had all these like ideas of what i wanted to do and it's like what what he did was like said to me it's like richard you got to choose one you can't like be awesome at all three you have to choose one or two of those and really focus on that because there's people in this business who have been at it for a little while who are spending every day on set 12 to 16 hours a day doing that one thing yeah over and over and over again and they're refining their craft yeah it's like if you directed one college tv show thing once don't I mean, don't tell don't tell people that you're a writer, director, editor, star, whatever, because it's like everybody has that. Yeah, and it's like I'm not going to hire that guy that has a million slashes on his resume or on his uh, business card. I'm going to hire that guy that's just like comedy editor. Got it? Yeah. You know. And yeah, I think that I mean we do have to be hyphens to, in this day and age. But it's like it's a soft hyphen. It's not like an all caps hyphen. Well, I think it's like. Like, I, like, um, professionally, I'm a comedy writer. But Uh, when you're not professionally a comedy writer, you are... Like, when I'm not, yeah, but, like, as a part of being a comedy writer, I am capable of editing my own things. I often produce my own sketch shoots. I don't really star in things, but I often perform in things. But if I, like, meet an agent or a manager at some place... I don't tell them that. I just tell them I'm a comedy writer because that's what I do and that's what I want to get paid to do. But um, anyway, second piece of advice. Or do you have a follow-up on that? No, I have no follow-up. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, <laughs> don't tell them you want to be a comedy writer. That's my job. <laughs> and Joey will cut you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, uh, what? Um, yeah, no, I'm going to lean to that. I will cut you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not being held for assault... Uh, yeah, I'm not an accessory to manslaughter. Yeah. I'm putting that out there now. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I will be. <laughs> oh God, that's um, dark. But uh, okay, so the uh, the other piece of advice that I got um, from a guy named Henry Normal. He was the co-EP of Baby Cat Productions when I was in London. And something that he really stuck with me is uh, he got he worked until he was like 25 in an office until he saw the movie animal house and realized that people were having fun for a living. And I think that that's something that I think often people who move here forget is you moved here because you like what you're doing or to have fun. So if you're, if you've been a PA for five years and you hate being a PA, like you didn't move here to be a PA for five years and hate your life. Like really like try to button down what it is you most enjoy doing that you have the greatest potential for growth in and then like jump into it with both feet and opportunities will come from that. Like, uh, you know, like it's something that I, uh, I often like, I guess like I wouldn't say struggle with, but it's, um, like when I feel my career taking a path down, like, oh, I'm getting a lot of a particular type of work that I don't really enjoy doing, but I'm, you know, thankful for the writing work or whatever. I'll be mindful of that and, like, say no to stuff just so, you know, it doesn't happen where I'm, like, you know, five years into the future and, like, that's the only work I'm getting. So you're saying that even if you're down here and you're after a particular thing, there is room to pivot. 
there's room to pivot, but there's also, yeah, well, yeah, like I know people that have been, that were PAs for like five years that, uh, you know, on reality shows that all of a sudden got a job on a scripted show and now they're producers on scripted TV shows or whatever. Um, but yeah, there's room to pivot. Like, you know, I'm a comedy writer now, but like, I mean, it's not going to happen because I really love comedy writing, but there's definitely a realm of possibility where if I wanted to be a drama writer, I could write a drama script and do it. Or like, Harrison Keeler. Yeah, like, like I know a guy that, um, like, I'm not, I'm not, he's a guy in the UCB community. I'm not like friends with him or anything, but um, he, he as a teenager was homeless and he got really into improv sort of as a, as a means to like get off the streets. And he, um, like, he basically dove into improv with both feet because it was like, either I go to these improv practices or I like live on the streets or I just hang out on the streets with homeless people. And, uh, like he would go to shows, he would do shows just because it's like, that's an hour that I'm not outside. Um, eventually by doing practice groups, his friends that he was in groups with found out that he was homeless and offered to like, let him stay with them. He was so passionate about improv that eventually he became a teacher at UCB in New York. Um, being a teacher for a while led to him just kind of writing his own stuff. So he put up his own kind of stage shows at UCB that led to him becoming friends with like Paul Shear and a lot of those guys who were kind of coming up around the same time. So then he got a job writing for like children's hospital, which was a show on, um, FX? I think adult swim. I think um, right. And, um, he sort of fell into like that, that part where he was like writing for a lot of those shows. And then, um, after he did that for a few years, he started thinking that like he wanted he'd want to write dramas. So like once he had a very successful career as like a writer producer for Adult Swim shows, he just wrote a drama script for just to do it. And his manager sent it to uh, the Walking Dead people. He got a job writing for the Walking Dead. He's been doing that that for the past few years, and now he's like one of the main supervising producer slash writers on the Walking Dead. You know, and that's an awesome story showing that. You can literally go from literally homeless to the king of or yeah, to castle and it, yeah. I mean that's a figurative speech. And that's course. also like when that when that kid was homeless, he wasn't like writing for The Walking Dead. That's how I'm gonna do it. He was just like, I just wanna not be cold. And then through that, he eventually like writes for one of the for the most successful show on television. And he's gonna have he's probably gonna write screenplays after this. And maybe he'll pivot back to comedy or maybe he won't. Like, you know, I feel like The Walking Dead will be around for a while and he'll make bank off of that for lack of a better. Just off of syndication alone. He'll yeah. he'll be fine. Yeah, so it's like I don't know, and it, and it is also just like being open to what the universe is giving you a little bit, and then also just like following your gut, you know? Because like that is part of the fun in the entertainment industry, is like um Right, like right now, I'm a senior staff writer for um, a comedy media company that runs a bunch of comedy websites. I write articles and sketches all day. Uh, it's a lot of fun. But like a year a year ago, I was like ghost writing rap lyrics for a Japanese rap group. Um, a year from now, or like you know, three months ago, I was writing for a DreamWorks uh, kids TV show and like writing bits for Shrek and Donkey to do. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, uh, I have like, you know, a year before that I was writing for like Looney Tunes or whatever. Three days ago, I was pretending I was Garfield. Like a year from now, I have no, I'll be the, 
most successful or the most famous recently deceased comedy writer, I guess. Oh my God, let's hope not. <laughs> yeah, or like, I don't know, like a year from now, I have no idea, but I'm excited to see where that is. And to go off of that a year ago, I was working on, what was I working on? I think I was working on either a Bentley commercial or, no, it might have been the famous footwear job debating on whether I was going to stay in Los, stay in Seattle or move to Los Angeles. And here I am today co-hosting, or not co-hosting, hosting a podcast with one of my good friends, Joey Clift, yeah. and working at one of the best visual effects companies in the world, which you've seen their work. Um, Joey... Um, yeah, and like, you might, if you're working at a Burger King, you might be doing that now, but if you hustle, six months from now, you could be, you know... Paul Feig's assistant or something. I mean, I don't know. It's just that's embrace the uncertainty of Hollywood, but also put the work in. I think that's a good note to finish on. Yeah. Joey. Also, if you're a comedy writer, stay out of Los Angeles. <laughs> New York is good. Atlanta's good. Yeah. Seattle's particularly yeah. good. But if I see you, if you take one step in Los Angeles, oh man, you're done. <laughs> particularly UCB. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm, I, I, I'm, I direct shows at UCB now. I'm not worried about getting a house team there. But if I see you at UCB. (laughs) You've been warned. Joey, where can people find you on the interwebs? Uh, Okay, uh, you can find me on Twitter at JoeyTainment. I host a podcast called You Should Love Wrestling. Uh, It's available on iTunes and also uh, BoardWalkAudio.com. I, uh, let's see. um, You're going to find me on my website, JoeyClift.com. I got a Facebook page. uh, Just, you know, JoeyClift on Facebook. Let's see, uh, my sketch group, Local Business Comedy. Um, You can find us on YouTube or uh, SoundCloud. Um, And then uh, you can find me in person at, what's my address? No, I'm not going to give you my address. I don't know. You become famous. You give out the address and then it's hell for the next renter here. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, like... All the the, the 40,000 listeners are just going to really be kicking down the door. <laughs> We're not even at 40,000 right now, but soon. Yeah, yeah. All right. But yeah, that's uh, where can we find you on social media? You know where to find me on social media. This is going to be linked to my social account. Sweet. But anyways. Yeah. And um, if you're curious about uh, if I ever got those uh, copies of the web series that we made, the dart, be sure and uh, tweet at Lutz. Hashtag, where's the dart? <laughs> you sure you don't want to do more episodes of the dart? No, I'm too busy. <laughs> what if I say please? Like, I'm too busy pretending I'm Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on that bombshell, as they say on Top Gear, yes, I'm stealing Top Gear lines. Okay. Yeah. Wait, what's, what's Top Gear's ending catchphrase? Like, drive on! <laughs> Something like that. Anyways, on that bombshell, good night. Yeah, and drive on! All right. Well, that's the first episode of Render Time. I hope you enjoyed it. Big thanks to Joey Clip for helping me get this thing off the ground. Much respect, dude. I really, really appreciate it. Anyways, if you enjoyed this episode, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I know that I would muchly appreciate any support and feedback that you have. Anyways, see you next time.